Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to another segment here on GEMS Podcast. With me today is a special guest all the way from Cali. That's California, y'all. Jenny O'Connor. And let me tell you a little bit more about my guest because she will be in the hot seat for the next 30 minutes as we sit back and bring you a coffee chat style conversation. Jenny O'Connor writes about how to slay imposter syndrome and self-promote with grace. She helps her clients clarify the dream that keeps them up at night and crush the obstacles standing in their way. Her podcast, Multi-Passionate Like a Boss, teaches squirrel brain creatives how to kick overwhelm to the curb and fit all their shiny objects into a life and business they love. So you asked me, Genesis, what's the playbook? Well, you got to wait until Jenny comes on so we can talk about it. So without further ado, let's welcome Jenny O'Connor. Hi, Genesis. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, Jenny. And it's always good to connect with like a fellow podcaster who's doing the same thing that you're doing, but you may or may not have, you know, the same audience. So it's cool that we could cross pollinate and collaborate. Absolutely. I love it. So Jenny, um, I definitely want the audience to be able to connect with you in a fun and personal way outside of the meat of our segment. So I like to give my guests two options to choose from. We could do a rapid fire ice, um, rapid fire game or an icebreaker. Break, break the ice. <laughs> um, rapid fire. Cause I feel like it makes you sing. That's what I want. <laughs> So here we go, y'all. We're playing rapid fire with Jenny and Genesis. Do, 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 do. Question numero uno. Jenny, what's your favorite color? Turquoise. I'm even wearing it for you today. Question two. What's your drink of choice? Coffee, tea, or something else? Mm, definitely coffee. I'm trying to get into tea and it's not, it's not working. <laughs> Question three, what's your happy place? Oh, love this question. It is a little tiny town in uh, wine country, but Santa Inez wine country. So just kind of east of Santa Barbara. It, we've been camping there for over a decade and I recently made the decision to move there. So I'm going to move to my happy place. <laughs> Congratulations. You'll have to take some pictures. <laughs> I will be taking so many pictures. <laughs> Question four, if you could interview any person on your podcast, who would it be and why? Do they have to be alive? Uh, you know what? Let's, let's do two because I want to see who your living person would be, but who your past person would also be. Okay. Past is, has to be one of my favorite childhood authors. And I'll be honest with you. I can't pick just one. So it's a toss up between Lewis Carroll, Roald Dahl. I don't know. He might still be alive. Sorry, Roald Dahl, if you're still alive. Um, <laughs> C.S. Lewis and, uh, and Dr. Seuss. So a tie between those four, um, living person would be the author of this book right here, the middle finger project. 
Her name is Ash Amberger, and she is a writer, multi-passionate like me. She does a million different things, and she is a sassy, foul-mouthed, incredible spitfire of a human. And I, I will get her on my podcast one day. It's going to happen. Ash, if you're listening, come on to my podcast, please. <laughs> so that brings me to the wild card challenge factor. Uh-oh. So my challenge is for you to slide into Ash's DM. I'm giving you two weeks to do it. Whether you're sliding into her personal DM on a social media platform or you're connecting her PR team to tell them why you feel like Ash would add value to your podcast and how you can add value to hers to really create those synergies because it's all about shooting your shot, right? So mm-hmm. if you don't reach out, what are you what are you losing? But if you do, what are you gaining? So shoot your shot and reach out and screenshot so I know that you took the challenge. And it wasn't just lip service. So do you accept the challenge? I fully accept that. And I'll have, you know, she already has messages for me in her DM and she knows who I am. So like, I believe me, I am a persistent person. (laughs) So, but it's been about a year since I asked and she was too busy at the time. So it's time to revisit that request. So thank you for the challenge, Genesis. I, I accept. My pleasure. Question five. What was the inspiration for you starting your podcast journey? Ah, such a good one. I read a book, actually refused to choose by Barbara Sher about why it does not make you broken to be a multi-passionate soul. And we're probably going to dig into that somewhat in the conversation, but it's so easy to feel flaky if you can't decide on one thing or to keep changing your mind and pivoting. And we, we live in a specialist society. So it makes you feel like you're doing life wrong. That book proved to me that I wasn't. And I wanted to get that message out. Barbara Sher has unfortunately passed away. So her, her opportunity to do that has ceased. So I'm taking up the torch. Amazing question five, no question six. You get three random acts of kindness per day. What are your three for today to do to someone? Mm, Buy coffee for the person behind me in line at Starbucks. Um, help an old lady with her grocery bags and write a review for someone, you know, as a fellow podcaster that reviews are worth their weight in gold. So I really like to do that for people and then screenshot it and send it to them and say, look what I did for you because you're so awesome. (laughs) I love that question seven. So you just won the lottery cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. In order to get all your money released, you must contribute to three charities of your choice. What charities are you donating to? Mm, ASPCA, anything animal related. Um, Something about planting more trees. Um, There's a a search engine called Ecosia. I don't know if you can donate to them or if there's a specific chair. I think there's a 1 million trees, it might be called, is a charity for planting more trees. And then something about something related to social justice, underserved groups that um, experience, you know, a harder go at life than the rest of us. I would definitely contribute to something like that as well. Question eight, what's your favorite food or cuisine? Mm, Mexican. I'm born and raised in Southern California. So all things, like I could eat it three times a day. (laughs) 
Me too. I love Mexican food. I think I want to eat that for dinner today. Yeah. Um, Now I'm having it as soon as we get off this call. So (laughs) question nine, and this is going to be a funny question. Have you ever just felt like you were just having an off day and you're like, man, no ham, no cheese, no turkey. Like I could just punch someone's lights out because they were that annoying. Uh, yes. (laughs) Regularly. Is that bad? (laughs) Oh Lord. (laughs) I thought I would ask that question because it is a silly question, but I think everyone has had some point of frustration where you just felt like you just wanted to be that bad girl or that bad boy for just a little bit. And Carrie Underwood says she took a, a slugger to all to the headlights. So every now and every now and then sometimes breaking things um, makes you feel good. And there's actually something kind of like a escape the room, but it's like a team building where you could go smash plates or break different things. Yes. And I was like, people are really paying to do that. Sign and me up. <laughs> It was interesting. So I thought I would ask that question just to let people know we are still human and mm-hmm. we're all WIPs, work in progress. And I say we're the whip without the H. <laughs> there you go. I like it. Question 10. It's our pass or play question. And here are the rules. If you pass, you throw the ball back to me and you get to ask me a question. If you choose to play, I ask one last question to wrap up rapid fire. So do you want to pass or play? I want to pass. Okay. What's your question? So I've listened to a couple of your episodes and I, maybe I don't have the, the chronology correct, but it's it. My understanding is you started at some time around the end of 2020 or the beginning of 2021. How do you have over 600 episodes already? <laughs> Yeah, so I started my podcast in November of 2020. The conduit behind starting it was my dad passing from medical negligence. So what keeps me determined and motivated is like every time I hit a milestone, it's like, this is for you, dad, because my dad was like, hands down, like the type of man that would talk to anybody, anywhere, any time of day, give you the shirt off his back and et cetera. Mm -hmm. And not to have him with me is like a way that I could continue his legacy going. So sometimes I'll do five episodes a day, depending on how I'm feeling or who gets on the schedule. And sometimes I'll do eight a day. It just kind of depends how it like shakes up. And what allowed me to have that much content was in the beginning, I only did solo episodes. So it was just me talking into the mic because I was really raw and transparent and talking about the grief journey um, of losing my father. And then when I was in the right headspace mentally, then I began to reach back out to those people who were pitching to be on the show. And now I do a combination of interviews and solos um, once my baby's born, I'll probably go back to solos until I could like mitigate what the schedule will look like walking into motherhood. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And I, I'm of course, so sorry to hear about your father, but I think it's beautiful how you turned that into something that you've used to inspire you. I, that's awesome. Thank you. And thank you for asking that question. And I hope it wasn't too long winded. (laughs) No, no, I was, I I saw over 600 and I assumed you'd been doing it for like, you know, eight years. (laughs) Very impressed. 
So now we're going to segue into the meat of the segment, which um, we're going to talk about personal development. Um, what does personal development look like to you and what does it mean? Because you're definitely multifaceted and multi-dimensional. Um, and as Tiffany Haddish would say, she ready. <laughs> so let's talk about why is personal development your jam and how did you get involved with the work that you're doing? Because you're a podcaster. Um, I know you write and et cetera, and you have a lot going on on the forefront as well as behind the scenes, but I want to know what's under the hood because sometimes people don't pay attention to what's under the engine and I'm a car person. So I love to know what's under the hood because I want to make sure that horse puppy jumps depending on what I'm driving. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, self-development, you know, Anyone who is inspired to improve their situation is engaged in the act of self-development. So if something feels unfulfilling to you, even if sometimes you don't know yet what that is or how to fix it, but you just go on a mission to make it better, that's what you're doing. And I, it started for me, I think the first book I read in my early twenties that would be considered self-development was The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And in it, she talked about people who were shadow artists. So people who had the yearning inside of them to create, but weren't doing it for a variety of reasons, most of which are centered around fear. And I remember that the idea of that breaking my heart into a billion pieces, like that there are people that might even go to their deathbeds, not having created the thing that they want that's in their heart to create just made me so, so sad. And over my life, I've seen my friends who had a dream, like slowly back away from the dream or decide, you know, to get married and have a family and they can't, it's not realistic to want to be an actor anymore or whatever. And like each person that I saw that happen for a little piece of me went with them. And I was like, no, it is my mission to ensure that that doesn't happen for anybody on my watch. So that's essentially how I've gotten here. I know that there's a lot of criticism I hear, especially from people who are formerly trained therapists who kind of come down on like, there's so many coaches and everyone calls himself a coach and all of that, but there's nothing to scoff at that people go on these self-development journeys to make their own lives better and then want to turn around and fast track that for other people. I think that's pretty incredible. And I, you know, you have to do your due diligence and be selective in who you choose to work with or have be the cheerleader in your corner. But, you know, that's on you to do your due diligence just because someone has chosen to make this their life. Like, I think that's pretty admirable, quite frankly. I think so too, because it shows that they're not being selfish, but they're being selfless. And if they've already walked through certain things, then they could give someone the blueprint, but it's up to that individual to take the blueprint and build it out according to how it's drawn out. Kind of like um, whenever we were, we were children, like they'll teach us how to walk, but it's up to us to really perfect the walking and get our balance and et cetera. So I think self, uh, self-development as um, helps not just in a personal space, but in a professional space, because once you begin to develop yourself, then you could pass the torch on to help somebody else that may be struggling, but you're the conduit that they need to help them get to the next level because Rome wasn't built in a day by a single 
single person. So it takes multiple people coming together to pave the way. Because if you think about it, hindsight 2020, we all have stood on the back um, of our ancestors, whether they died for us or they left us um, wealth that we acquired that wealth to build a business or et cetera. We have all reap the benefits of someone else's resources. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, what it, it's, it's silly to reinvent the wheel. I think that, you know, utilizing other people's knowledge, I, I, I consider it a board of advisors. So like a group of people, I call my mentors at any given time. And those change depending upon where I am in my journey and what it is that I'm trying to accomplish at that time. But, um, you know, choose wisely and then soak it all up like a sponge. Yeah, and that goes to one of the points that you mentioned about in uh, your niches, confidence and courage can be trained. And you said, and even garnified with things like failure, challenges and exposure therapy. So let's spend some time talking about that because you alluded to fear. And whenever you see your friend or something put their dreams on the back burner because maybe their lifestyle isn't allowing them to turn those dreams into reality or their mindset is conditioning them to the point where they're remaining stagnant or they're allowing fear or imposter syndrome to get the best of them. Fear is a mindset just like confidence can be a mindset. Confidence is something that you feel and you begin to walk into and just having courage is like taking that leap of faith to really unleash that confidence and say, baby, I'm back. I'm here to stay. So talk about it from your perspective. Yeah, this is, I love this question. I, the, one of the most exciting things I discovered for myself was that courage is like a muscle that can be trained like your biceps. And so exposure therapy is essentially this concept where let's say you're in a room and there's a video screen in front of you and you are terrified of spiders. And for an hour, they just show you videos of spiders and it's awful at first. And you get like goosebumps and you sweat profusely, but after an hour, it's just like, you're sort of numb to it a little bit. That's how it works. And probably you need several sessions before you are quote unquote cured of your fear. But what I discovered was I could do a scary thing because two things, usually the worst case scenario doesn't actually happen. And secondly, whatever happens, if it's a failure is often not nearly as bad as you expect it to be. So every single time you do something scary and the sky doesn't fall and you wake up the next day and you're like, eh, that sucked, but whatever it's easier to do the next thing. And the, and, and the things can get increasingly bigger and scarier and there can be more on the line, but the, the better you get at just, that's why when you gave me the challenge to reach out to Ash, I was like, there's no way I'm gonna say no to this because it's part of gamifying scary things. Make it a challenge. And honestly, if you make it a challenge and tell yourself that it's okay to fail, You win if you fail because that's what the game is, but you win if you succeed. So there's like really no losing at this game. It's a great game. (laughs) I love that. And as you were talking, I was like, holy crap, Genesis just said garnified instead of gamified. (laughs) It's all right. But it's, it's amazing. 
amazing because I think whenever you challenge, you challenge yourself and someone else challenges you, it shows you what your strengths are and what your capabilities are because it's pushing you outside of your complacency and mm-hmm. it's calling you to something higher because if we're never faced with challenges, can we say that we'll have those success moments and failure births success because if you fail and you learn from the failures and you begin to apply what didn't work and then gamify it to see what does work, then you'll see success. So you're going to jump over that hurdle as if you're running track and you're going to keep on going. And before you know it, you're going to reach that finish line. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's the thing. If, if what's preventing you from making the dream in your heart or starting the business or what, writing the novel, whatever the thing is, it's probably something to do with fear, fear of criticism, fear of sucking at it, fear of, you know, who knows there's, there's a huge list usually, but start with these challenges and get over it so that you don't go to your deathbed with that dream still inside of you. Absolutely. Cause I say, um, when you don't ignite your dreams, they're just dreams, but mm-hmm. we need you to ignite your dreams. Cause when you do, they turn into realities and they don't end up in the graveyard. So if you think about it from a vain and morbid standpoint, how many times have we been to a funeral and we've seen all the tombstones and et cetera? Did you ever stop and ask yourself, hmm, I wonder if each one of these people lived up to their full potential while they were on earth or did their dreams die with them because they were too afraid? They had imposter syndrome. They were worried about the critics, the hate, the haters, the naysayers, and et cetera, or they weren't ballsy enough to make that leap. Mm-hmm. Think yeah. about it from that way. It gives me the chills listening to you talk about it because I, I, I worry that that is more of a reality than the alternative. And I feel like it's my mission to change that. And one of the ways that you help change it too, um, one of your statements says taking stock of our achievements makes us braver and serves as an antidote to imposter syndrome, more celebrating who we are, less worrying about being arrogant. And when I read that, I was like, that's powerful, Jenny, because if you think about it, I hate, and I'm going to say hate because I really do hate when people ask kids, Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? I wish they would start asking, who do you want to be when you grow up? Because when you ask what, that's already putting a label on that kid and placing them in a box. When newsflash, I wasn't born in a box. I'm not going to be in a box unless I choose to be in a box whenever the good man above calls me home. But until then, I'm that wild card factor. I'm that firecracker, the mindset hacker that's outside of the box. And I'm going to be me because I know I was created to be a masterpiece and I know I was created on purpose for a purpose. So we need to stop asking, what do you want to be when you grow up and ask, who do you want to be? Because that's tied to our morals, our values, our characteristics, and it allows us to go inward and reflect. And then as we reflect, then we could show up in the world and the universe as we are created and how we feel versus what society and what our family members try to project onto us. So do you want to elaborate on your viewpoints behind that statement, Jenny? I love that. First of all, may I steal it? Is that okay? So let's see. 
just put some respect, put some respect on it when you, when you use it. And just say 100% <laughs> I will, but it is so, so I'm part of a, a movement called the octopus movement that is meant to, um, bring awareness to, uh, nonlinear thinkers and how we contribute to the world. Um, neurodiversity being a very big component of that ADHD and dyslexia and people whose brains work differently than linear thinking brains. But in this category is the category of people who are multi-passionate or squirrel brained or distracted by shiny objects. And when you ask a kid what they want to be, when they grow up as well-meaning as that question is, it starts to, and then someone else asks them and then someone else asks them, it starts to put pressure on the kid that you don't mean to put to figure that out. I remember when the teenager in my life was in eighth grade and she came home and she said, um, the, the avid program, my teacher said today that by the end of the year, we have to figure out what we want to be when we grow up. And I just like belly laughed. I was like, child, I don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up. Like, no, you do not have to have that figured out, but who is such a better question? Who do you look up to? What kind of person do you aspire to be? I just think is absolutely a beautiful way of looking at it. So I I just want to say, thank you for giving me that (laughs) I'm fully stealing it. I will give you credit where it's due. Um, and then the other part of it, the, the taking stock, I wanted to speak to that for a minute, taking stock of your, your, uh, traits, your superpowers. Um, it's really hard again, if you're multi-passionate and you feel like you are flaky and non-committal and you should choose one thing, but you chose, and then you changed your mind or you got bored and, you know, people are like, why can't you ever stick to anything? I had a very well-meaning friend of mine say to me, you're so good at so many things. Imagine if you picked one, how successful you would be. There was a compliment in there. I just didn't hear it because what I heard was you are not yet successful. You know, um, if you start to, if you're, if you're multi-passionate, especially, look at all the skill sets you have that are diverse, that kind of makes you a unicorn. If no one else has that unique combination of skills, doesn't that make you indispensable in the right situations? I I like to joke on my own podcast that multi-passionates would be the most useful people in a zombie apocalypse. If we're rebuilding society from the ground up and I have the ability to run a kitchen and to sew clothing and to, you know, project manage a group of people and to plant a garden, like, does that not, I mean, the doctors are still necessary, but all they're going to do is doctor. Meanwhile, I'm over here doing 25 other things. (laughs) So it is so, so important to recognize how being nonlinear is in fact a talent and a superpower. And my favorite way to do this is to make what I call an accomplishments board. So it differs from a vision board. Vision board is like, and those vision boards are fine if you're into it, but it's all things you don't have yet. Accomplishments boards are all of the things that make you amazing. So if it is a beautiful plate of sushi that you made, or if it is the fact that you are a great dog mom or a thank you letter from a friend who was really touched by an action that you took on their behalf, put them all on a a piece of poster board. Or if collaging isn't your jam, just make a list and fold it up and put it in your wallet. But that 
I swear is the number one antidote to feeling like a fraud, to feeling like you suck, to experiencing imposter syndrome is to look at your accomplishments board and be like, huh, I am a badass. I like that. And it's like kind of like a brag book in a sense, like you're bragging on yourself, you're celebrating the small wins as well as the big wins. When you celebrate the small wins, you're already training and reprogramming yourself to be saying yes to allowing bigger things to come into your fruition and you're celebrating it because if you don't celebrate yourself who else is not everyone is going to celebrate you because let's be honest like people have jealousy and envy or whatnot but when you celebrate yourself and you walk it like you talk it and you take ownership then there's no one in hell that can tell you what you shouldn't be and one of my other quotes is When you know who you are, you won't fall victim to what the world or someone else wants you to be because you're remaining rooted and you're steadfast in who you are and how you show up. Yeah. And being in your integrity, which is one of my like top values. So yes, we are very in sync, Genesis. (laughs) Amazing. And um, our last thing before we jump into the call to action is um, you asked, why should we chase Every sparkly object that grabs our attention, counterintuitively, this helps with focus because how many times have we confused our wants for our needs? We want that thing, but is it necessarily a need? Is it adding value to us? Is it serving us? And is it going to make us break the bank? Because you're going out there chasing things to quote unquote, keep up with the Jones, but you know that you don't have the capital to really afford it. So you're putting it on credit. Does that make sense? Or are we just doing it to just keep up and say, yep, I got it. But then you have buyer's remorse later on. Yeah, I think that for me, this applies to a shiny object that comes into your experience that would bring you joy. And in, to my mind, this isn't really material things, but of course, material things might bring you joy as well. I'm talking about intangible uh, versus tangible. I think so. I, when, when I said that I was thinking more along the lines of this is a hobby I want to pick up, but I know nothing about it. And I'm, I'm brand new beginner. So I might be terrible at it. And as multi-passionates who live in a, a specialist society, we often say, I can't do that, or I can only do that if I can monetize it. Otherwise it's not worth doing. And it's, and, and so we always feel distracted because there's all these things hovering around that we want to do, but we can't do them because we haven't given ourselves permission. And it's very counterintuitive that when you give yourself permission to do the thing that would bring you joy and you might not stick with it, how can you ever know if you don't try, but when you give yourself permission Now you have permission to do everything and it's infinitely easier to stay focused because focus is the thing that everyone says they they can't do if they're multi-passionate. If you're working on a thing and some, and you're like, oh, I really want to go watercolor. Just say to yourself, I have permission to do that, but let me finish this first and then I can go do that. That actually gets you to finish the thing that you're working on. So it's the act of permission giving that will bring me joy. I'm going to experience it because I'm allowed to will help you with your focus, even though that doesn't necessarily sound like it makes sense. 
Yeah, I got you. And thank you for breaking that down. So we're going to jump into the call to action segment, um, Jenny. So what is your call to action for our audience today after they just heard us really go through personal development? We talked about reflection. We talked about taking stock of their life, just really doing that inventory. And we also talk about bragging on yourself, celebrating those wins, small and big, and also having room for grace and mercy for yourself as an individual as you go through your own evolution. Because just like times and seasons change, we as individuals change. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you have a dream in your heart that you are putting off for some reason, um, there's probably a very tangible thing underlying your procrastination. So I have created a free uh, quiz called what is your procrastination personality type? It's kind of a mouthful, Um, but it is 15 questions. It takes two minutes max, and then it will point you to what your specific combination of factors is that factor into your procrastination. And you can go to a specific page on my website with tips designed for you specifically to help you conquer it for good. And then you can go out and make the beautiful thing that is calling to your heart. So if you want access to that, it is at jennyoconnor.com forward slash procrastination. And I will say, I spell my name, uh, Jenny with an I E not a Y and I spell it O'Connor with an O R not an E R. So it's jennyoconnor.com forward slash procrastination. Amazing. And Jenny, what social media platform do you primarily hang out on? Instagram is my favorite. I have a love-hate relationship with it, but I am there most often (laughs) and I am at your creative fairy godmother. And there you have it, listeners and viewers. You just heard from Jenny O'Connor. All of her contact information will be in the show notes. So that means you need to read, scroll on down and tap in with her. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe and share. This is found on 40 plus platforms. You could also see the video to this recording on our YouTube channel by going to GEMS, G-E-M-S with Genesis Amaris Kemp for video content. And lastly, but not least, here's my remix. Where would I be without my supporters? You know, I only think about you. So I want to thank each one of you for supporting the mission and tuning in to hear from subject matter experts on a regular basis. Because of you, we're now ranked in the top 2% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per the metrics from www.listennotes.com. And we are looking for brand sponsors. Spaces are limited, and this is for paid sponsorship. You can head on over to genesisamarskemp.net and click on the podcast tab or send me a personalized email to genesisamarskemp at gmail.com to see how we can work together because you can go a lot further and faster when you link arms with someone else. And collaboration is not the new competition. It is the new way to create synergies and expand your reach by cross-pollinating different audiences. So until the next segment, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform 
as well as our YouTube channel, Gems with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at gems, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services, to be here on GEMS Podcast.